All right, let's continue our study through the book of James. We're up to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, and we'll begin there. James 4. Yeah, I appreciate the Lord bringing uh, the primes into my life. Amen. And he's been a prime example, right? Prime example. Amen. And when I can't think about soul winning, we're talking about soul winning, I can't think about soul winning without thinking about uh, Brother uh, Prime. And uh, of course, we met because of uh, Brother Crab brought us together. Amen. And so thank God for always, you know, I talk about him all the time. Thank God brought him into my life. Then I'm thankful for the people God brought into my life through him as well. And part of that's been brother and sister prime. And they've certainly been a great blessing to us uh, over, over the years. And we're thankful that they get to be with us. We get to be together uh, again. All right, James chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 6. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Say this in the word of God. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. James 4, 1 through 6. Let's pray again, please. Heavenly Father, again, we come before you tonight through the blood and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you, uh, dear God, that uh, we have the privilege, Lord, of knowing the true and living God. Lord, we thank you for saving our soul and making us whole, dear God. And uh, Lord, we pray for somebody that may not be saved yet, listening or here tonight, God, work in that heart. Lord, we pray for the needs that have been mentioned. Lord, a lot of uh, physical needs. Uh, spiritual needs. Uh, uh, Lord, just a lot going on in uh, people's lives. And we pray, God, that they would just uh, flee to thee. They would flee to the rock of ages. We're glad that you're our refuge, the place where we can get in, but the enemy can't. And Lord God, I'm glad we have a place that we can flee tonight, a place we can lean and rest. And Lord, just to abide in you. Lord, I'm glad that Lord, despite whatever may be going on in the world, despite whatever may uh, be going on in our life, Lord, uh, if we're in thee, we can say it is well with my soul. Lord, I pray that tonight through what's done here, Lord, you give people what they need. Just strengthen each one in the inner man with might by the Holy Spirit. Lord, give wisdom for those decisions that need to be made and guidance and direction in life. We think, again, we think of our young people, Lord, give them guidance and direction. And uh, uh, Lord, among other things, Lord, we think of our lost loved ones. Again, we think of Michael tonight. Lord, please get a hold of his heart. Help him to begin to make right decisions. Uh, dear God, helping to fill out this application and uh, get some help. And we think of others, dear God, that we know that aren't saved. So again, help us, Lord, and above all, glorify thyself and build your local church. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So as uh, we notice uh, uh, the, the last verse in chapter 3. Notice the last verse in chapter 3 there. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make... Peace. So what's the last word in chapter 3 there? Peace. 
Now, isn't that interesting? Boy, that sounds good. We finish chapter three and we go, ah, peace. Everything's all right. Then you step into chapter four and verse one begins with war. <laughs> Boy, that's real nice, isn't it? That the last word in chapter three is peace, but chapter four starts off with war. Of course, our life often seems like a balance somewhere, right, between peace and war. I'm constantly trying to keep that balance, if you will. And the question is not if there will be war, but what kind of war will it be and where will the source of that war be in our life? You know, often, of course, as we think about life, we try to be on guard for a battle without, right? But then, of course, the war shows up within. And uh, here, as he talks to these people, uh, they were having wars within, and they were having wars among themselves. So no doubt it was a good Baptist church, amen? No doubt it was a good Baptist church, wars within, wars among themselves, right? And unfortunately, they were sidetracked, right, when they should have been focused on warring against the world. Boy, that's what the devil will do. We're supposed to be warring against the world, but often we'll get caught up on the wars within, and then we'll get caught up sometimes one within ourselves. I'm uh, glad, thank the Lord, since we've been here, we've had, had uh, those serious uh, uh, problems. Knock on wood, knock on the pulpit that Brother Prime made, just in case you didn't catch that, he made this pulpit for himself. But we'll knock on the wood, amen, for that. But uh, notice what it says here. Why is this happening? Again, verse 1, from whence come wars and fighting is moving. Where did they come from? There's got to be a source, right? Find that source. Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members, right? Your members. Ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight in war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Again, uh, he's talking to believers. Notice that word, lust, lust. And of course, we know the constant battle of the Christian life is what? Three things, three main things. It always comes out of one of those areas. Somebody tell me what they are. Yes, David. Right. And so what does that mean? Lust of the flesh. When you think of lust of the flesh, think about this. Lust of the flesh is usually when we desire to have something that God doesn't want us to have. Lust of the flesh, right? We desire to have something perhaps that God doesn't want us to have, right? He knows that, that us having that wouldn't be a good thing in our life, but that old flesh lusts to have that thing. And then you think about the lust of the, the eyes, right? Uh, maybe that's a, a something, right? Uh, we desire to do something, maybe that God doesn't want us to do, right? We have a desire. We see this, and man, I'd like, that's what I'd like to be doing right now. But God knows that that thing wouldn't be good for us in our life or as, as a Christian witness. And we desire to do something perhaps that God doesn't want us to do. And then there's the pride of life, right? The pride of life. Perhaps we desire to be something, that God doesn't desire us to be. Now, you know, a lot of times we think about that and we think, you know, maybe some, you know, uh, uh, you know a, a wicked thing out there. But remember, there might be something that in itself may not be uh, wrong, right? But that's not what God desires us to be or desires to do or desires uh, to have, right? He's got us focused on other things in a, another way of life. Uh, some examples of, in, in the Bible about uh, those that, that lusted, right? We think of, can't think about lust without thinking about King Herod, right? About King Herod, and he lusted for pleasure. 
King Herod lusted for pleasure. Usually, right, when a person lusts for the wrong things and they go after those things or they, they follow through with those things or just react because of those things, there's usually not a good result, right? There's usually not a good result. We see that with King Herod. King, he, he, he uh, uh, and what kind of, I don't get sidetracked with that, but what kind of wicked woman would have uh, her daughter uh, uh, do that? What kind of, I mean, that, that whole thing was wicked. But he, desired, he lusted after pleasure. And what was the result? Uh, John the Baptist lost his head. John the Baptist lost his head. He, he lusted for pleasure. We see Judas, right? He lusted for money, right? He wanted to be the treasurer. He was hoping Jesus would maybe set up the kingdom on earth, right? He'd get to be the secretary of a, a treasury or the Federal Reserve, whatever, right? Uh, he said, and then he saw that didn't work out. He got upset. He lusted for money, right? And what was the result? The betrayal of Christ. The betrayal of Christ. And then you think of, uh, uh, you think of Diotrephes, who was mentioned, right? He had a lust for preeminence in the church. And boy, I, I, I've seen that in a lot of churches. Always somebody trying to, you know, uh, they want to be, be the one that people look to or they want to have influence or they want to, you know, be this or that in the church. Well, he desired to have the preeminence in the local church. And the result was what? Turmoil in the local assembly, turmoil in the local assembly. Hey, that's why I always like the thought of, of being a, a, a team, right? Remember, anything with two heads is a monster, right? <laughs> right? Uh, church can't have uh, 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 two heads, you know? Uh, thank, thank the Lord for uh, pastors. Thank the Lord for Sunday school teachers. Thanks for uh, the Lord for a good secretary. <laughs> Amen. I always, I always said one thing. I didn't, you know, you always say, hear, heard me say, I never thought I'd have a ministry statement, but I always said, Lord, if I have a church, the only thing I ask for is a good secretary. Lord, answer that, that, that prayer. She was already, already here, right? Because, uh, uh, you know, some people can organize and some people agonize. Some people file, some people pile. We'll stay away from that, amen? Move on, move on. I'm going into meddling in my own life right there, man. I better, I'm preaching on my own sin. But, uh, <laughs> preaching on my own sin. But, you know, but, you know the, the, the thing is, even though, you know, God has a way that things should be done in a church, right? And he puts a pastor over church. We should operate as a team. And the only head is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he's he's the focal point. It's not about me. I'm nothing. Hate to break the uh, hate to break to you, but you're nothing either. Amen. We're all a bunch of nobodies following somebody who's worthy of praise and honor and glory. So may the Lord protect us from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. But they were having a problem with that here. And you know what happened? It affected their prayer life. <laughs> it affected their prayer life. Verse three, right? Ye ask and receive not. Notice that next word, what? Because. Because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. You see, uh, it got into their prayer life. You see, it matters not just that we pray, but it matters how we pray. Right? It talks about that in other things too. Boy, over in Peter, when it gets on to the husbands, right? That your prayer life be not affected. So again, we see it matters not just that you pray, but it matters when you do pray, how you pray. Yes, there's a wrong way to pray. If our focus is, is our glory or our gain or our good, right? If we desire, if we're praying to have something that he doesn't want us to have, if we're praying about doing something he doesn't want us to do, if we're praying about maybe being something he doesn't want us to be or some other area, right? Well, that's going to affect our prayer life when our prayer life is about us. Now, of course, that doesn't mean we don't pray for needs that we have, but 
prayer, again, is more than just asking for what we want. It's about asking, Lord, uh, uh, listen, uh, can you can you can you heal me? So I, uh, when, when I when I get out there and go knocking on that door, uh, my back's, you know, not doing this or my legs not doing that or whatever the case is. Nothing wrong with praying for that. But our desire is his will to be done and his glory. So if you're not getting your prayers answered, there's a problem, not with the one who answers prayer, but with the one asking in prayer. Again, notice that word in verse three, ye ask and receive not what? Because there's a reason. There's a reason. Lord, help me to know uh, the reason. It's always good to do a checkup. God delights to answer prayers. He delights to answer prayer. So if he's not, I mean, God delights to answer prayer, right? He wants to answer prayer. That's, we see that all through the Word of God. We see uh, 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 G- Jesus talk about that in, in the Gospels. He delights to answer prayer. So if he's not, right, if he's not, then there is a because. And need to find out what that because is. Well, in this case, it says they're praying amiss. That means they're praying improperly. Perhaps there is a moral issue is what it's referring to there as well. So, which, of course, leads to number four, verse number four. Look what he calls them in verse number four. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Notice that statement, ye adulterers and adulteresses. But now, usually, of course, when we hear the word adultery, you know, we think of something in our mind or whatever. But here, I don't think he's talking about physical adultery, but spiritual adultery, not physical, but spiritual believers who were having a relationship with the world. They were having a relationship. Well, listen, if you're saved, Amen. The, the, the relationship you're supposed to have is with the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not supposed to have a relationship with the world if you're saved. Romans 7, 4 says this. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. Look at this. That you should be married to another, married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that you should bring forth fruit. Who is that? You're married. You're saved. Did you know that? When you got saved, you got married, so to speak, at the same time, you're married to Christ. Your relationship, right? Your most important relationship is with Jesus Christ. And so you don't, that's why you don't want to uh, 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 have anything that he didn't want you to have. You don't want to do anything that he wouldn't want you to do. You don't want to be anything he wouldn't want you to be because, right, when you're in a serious relationship, you want to please the one you have a serious relationship with. Right now, we think about that in the physical realm, right? Uh, 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 girls, you get in a serious relationship, but boys, you get in a serious relationship. What are you thinking? How can I please him? How can I please her? Well, that's how we're supposed to think in the spiritual realm. How can I please him? I don't, hey, this relationship's getting serious, right? Hey, uh, 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 right? Uh, uh, don't want to be talking to any other girls. Don't be talking to any other boys. Hey, uh, this, this relationship's getting serious. I don't want to be talking to anybody in the world. I don't want to be caught up in the things of the world. I want him to know that my desire is towards him and his desire is towards me. So it goes, it talks about the friendship of the world. Think about that. Friendship. 
friendship, right? Friendship with the world. I'm going to do a little play on that word. Friendship of the world. That is one ship you should not sail. Amen. Friendship with the world. That is one ship that we should not sail. Friendship with the world. That is one ship, if you will, that won't float with God. Amen. God doesn't want you to have that 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 friendship with the world. In fact, it will lead to it will lead to shipwreck of your Christian testimony. So you think about that. Friendship with the world. Right. That's a that you should say that's a ship I don't want to sail. That's a ship that won't float with God and that will shipwreck my Christian testimony. So when you think about friendship with the world, that's a good way to think about it, right? That's a ship I don't want to sail. That's a ship that won't float with God, right? And that'll bring shipwreck to my Christian testimony. So if I'm running around and going to church and telling everybody I'm a Christian, I'm saved, but yet uh, uh, when, they, when they look at my social media or they look at my this or and they check on that, but yet they see I have relationships that don't honor that relationship, then hey, something needs to be checked up on, amen? Something needs uh, 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 to be considered. We don't want a relationship or a friendship that would shipwreck our Christian testimony, that we want to be serious with the Lord. Matter of fact, the Bible makes it very clear in 1 John chapter 2, you know these verses, they go right along with this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, here it is again, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, and the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abide. That's what we want. Amen. We want, we want our friendship to be with him. We want our relationship to be focused on him. Right. We want to do the will of God, because when we do the will of God, those things will abide forever. I want to have what he wants me to have. Right. I want to do what he wants me to do. I want to be what he wants me to be. Right. So the focus is not the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes and the pride of life. It's about amen, what he desires for me, because I know that is best. Notice uh, uh, again, verse four, ye adulterers and adulterers, know ye not that the French of the world is enmity with God is enmity with God. We need to realize, believer, there's no middle ground with God. There's no middle ground with God. You know, I know sometimes we, I, I think about that, and I know, I'm sure I use it myself, we say, well, that's a gray area. Well, I got thinking about that. I hear people say, well, that's a gray area. And I got thinking, how do you get gray? By mixing black and white, <laughs> right? I mean, right, right? You know, it's supposed to be clear, right? supposed to be clear distinction, right? Everything's supposed in the Word of God is supposed to be black and white. Well, how do you get great? You mix, right? So we need to be careful about mixing those things, those things. See, that's why my hair is gray. I'm mixing black and white, okay? That's how I got gray, right? So somebody was talking to me about, who, who was it, the, uh, my hair the other day about dark, dark hair, and uh, I said, oh, well, God gave me dark hair. He said, well, he gave you gray now. I said, oh, no, he didn't. God gave me dark hair. It's three girls that gave me gray hair. Amen. God gave me dark hair. Don't blame God for that. Amen. So think about that. There's no middle ground. You're one side or the other. You can't play both sides, right? You can't straddle the fence. as we Make your decision, who, who, right? Make your decision. God commands us to go outward 
right? And to give the gospel. But it's hard to be effective outward when we are not properly dealing with the inward, right? If we want to be effective outward, then we got to make, we're pro- make sure we're properly dealing with the things inwardly and we're doing what we're supposed to be and being what we're supposed to be to the glory of God. Because what does it say? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And I believe he's talking to believers here. You see, a believer is supposed to be the friend of God, not the enemy of God. But when, he, but when a believer gives into the flesh, when he gives into self, he can, for that time period, if you will, be an enemy of God, not in the loss of salvation. But what is he doing? He's being something he shouldn't be. He's being something he shouldn't be. You see, when you're in the enemy's camp, you're helping the enemy's cause. Think about that. When you're in the enemy's camp and the world is our enemy, when you're in the enemy's camp, you're helping the enemy's cause. So something to consider there. Now, verse verse five, verse five. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth the envy? Now, uh, if, you, if, you, if you study out uh, this verse, there's a couple of different views. Some people say, well, is it talking about the spirit of man or the spirit of God? I think it's uh, uh, talking about the spirit of God. The word in this verse, I think the key word is dwelleth, right? <laughs> dwelleth, right? The spirit of God dwells in us. What spirit dwells in us? Well, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And the Holy Spirit, think about this. Right. It's using it's, it's I think it's turning the word lust in the wrong way and turning it actually in one sense to a, a good way. Right. Because we're not supposed to lust after the things of the world. We're not supposed to envy the things of the world. But you know what? In one sense, God lusts after you and envies for you, if you will, to amen, have a close relationship with him, to be what you ought to be as a Christian. The Holy Spirit is jealous over us and wants us to live for the Lord and be close to him. Exodus 34, 14 says, For thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. God is jealous over us. He does not want us committing spiritual adultery or being friends with the world. Right? He, listen, he wants you to dwell in peace. Amen. And for you to have that, then you need to have a proper relationship with him. And when you have a proper relationship with him, right, when you're then, amen, uh, you'll have peace and you'll have no problem getting those prayers. Amen. To God and and answer. And so uh, he goes on to say here in verse six, which is all that other was just introduction now for the message. Right. Remember, when there's a short message, there's a long introduction. Either way, that preacher is going to get his 30 to 40 minutes in, right? Verse 6, but look at this. But he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. Now think about that. Listen, uh, when, when you're out there and, and, and that flesh is desiring to have and, and desiring to do and desiring to be, hey, how do you get victory over that? He'll give you the grace that you need, amen, to stay where you should be. With him, he giveth more grace. Is there one solution for all the issues we face in a Christian life? Is there one solution? Yes, he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. Grace, amen? We don't deserve it, we know that, but we sure do need it, amen? I don't deserve it, but Lord knows I need it. So as we think about this, sometimes you're going through something in life, you say, I don't know if I can deal with this or not. What's the answer? He giveth more grace. 
I don't know if I can handle this. What's the answer? He giveth more grace. I don't know if I can overcome this difficulty. He giveth more grace. I don't know if I'm strong enough for this. No, you're not. <laughs> but he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. He will give you the grace you need to deal with self. Amen. Which is, <laughs> right, what's the biggest enemy? Amen. Right. Uh, Going to be uh, 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 58 years old this year. I know. So maybe I should dye my hair. Right. What? You know what? Listen, my, still at this age, what's my biggest enemy, my biggest battle? Self. But he will give grace you need to deal with self. He'll give the grace you need to deal with others. He'll give the grace you need to do right in the situations you face in the life and the battles that you face in life. Second Corinthians 9, 8 says this, and God is able. And you know what? Because he's able, he will. <laughs> he will because he's able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you. You. Who's, who, who's you? See, I've told you this before. When you see that word you, you circle it and you write your name next to it. Amen. You can just tell people, hey, my name's in the Bible. Well, I've read the Bible. I've never seen your name. I didn't say it was in your Bible. It's in my Bible. Amen. Because I put it there. That's right. Put your name in the Bible. God, he's able to make all grace abound toward you and you and you and you and you and you. Amen. He's able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always. Now, uh, always. Would you say that's about 50 percent of the time? Oh, man. See, we got a scholar in our midst here. Always. Right. All means all, and that's all means, but we can always say always means always, and that's what always always means, something like that. Having all sufficiency. Think, look, at all, look at all those 100% words, right? God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. He's able and he will. Amen. One of the great things about being a believer is we have access to grace continually. Think about this. When you, when you, when you, think, of, when you think of a throne, what do you think of? Right? Somebody, somebody, tell, somebody tell me what you think of when you think of a throne. You think of a king. You think of authority. You think of power. Right? You think of a sovereign. But you know what does God want us to think of when we think of a throne? Well, he tells us in Hebrews 4, 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Think about that. Most kings, when you think of their throne, they want you to think of power. They want you to think of them being the sovereign, them being the ruler. That's what most kings want you to think of. But when, when the king of kings and the Lord of lords, when you think of his throne, he wants you to think of grace. He wants you to think, amen, of verse 6, he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. When you think of his throne, he wants you to think of grace, that we may obtain and find grace to help in time of need. God says, don't just think of my throne as a place of my authority, which it is, from which I rule and reign, which he does, but as the place from which grace itself begins 
and flows. Amen. <laughs> right there. You can, you can follow the trail of grace from here all the way up to the throne of grace. Amen. This grace that is in my heart. Amen. I can follow. I can trace this grace from my heart to his throne, that throne of grace. I love this verse. Revelation 22, 1 says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. What a beautiful picture that is, that river that flows from the throne of God. But not only does a river of pure water proceed out of the throne of God, right? But we could say spiritually, we might say a river of pure grace, amen, flows from that throne as well for us. You find a good illustration in the book of Esther, right? Beautiful illustration of that, I think, in Esther. Let me give these verses. You know the story, right? Uh, uh, the, 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 the Jews were going to be killed. And so uh, Esther makes the decision, right, to approach the king, right? She said, if I perish, I perish. A great story there. But let me give you this verse. Esther 4.11 says this. All the king's servants and the peoples of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come into the king's, into the inner court, who is not called, there is one law of his to be put him to death, right? If you approach that throne, you're worthy of death, except such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter, that he may live. But I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. But we know that she goes anyways, doesn't she? And here's what happened. And it was so when the king saw Esther, the queen standing in the court, that she obtained favor in his sight. Thank God she found favor and grace in his sight. And the king held out Esther, the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther drew near and touched the top of the scepter. Thank God Esther found grace in the king's sight. Therefore, he held out the golden scepter. And the wonderful thing is, amen, listen, we have found grace in the eyes of God. And he has held out the scepter to us. Christ, Christ is the outstretched scepter by which we obtain grace. Numbers 24, 17 says this, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. That scepter is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And thank God we approach the throne of grace. And thank God when we get there, amen, we find the scepter, amen, is there already saying it's okay. Jesus is there and he's saying it's okay. As soon as she saw that outstretched scepter, she knew it was okay to approach the throne. And we get to God's throne, amen, we see Jesus and we know it's okay, amen. Don't have to fear death. Don't have to fear anything. It's okay to approach the throne. We have that access because of Jesus Christ. Jesus he, the all-sufficient Christ, amen, is there to welcome us. Matter of fact, the Bible says this about Jesus, not just in heaven, but when he was upon earth. It says this in John chapter 1. In the beginning, John 1, 1, and verse 2 says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same that was in the beginning with God. And then one of my favorite verses in the Bible, verse 14, says what? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of what? The only begotten of the Father. And was, what was that? Ne what are those next few words? Full of grace and truth. You see, amen. He, he, he's full of grace. And you know what? He, 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 these last 2,000 years, 
He's been poured out grace and grace and grace and grace. And you know what? He's still full of grace. He's still full of grace. What a wonderful thought that is. You see, salvation brings grace to the inside. Now we can know grace personally, consciously, and experientially. Amen? And we can enjoy the grace. Amen? And he says, hey, if that's not enough, he giveth more grace. Whatever you need. That's why he could say to Paul, my grace is sufficient. Because I'm full of grace. And hey, there's more where that came from. You need more? He giveth more grace. Well, you got something in your heart tonight? You said, boy, I sure could use some more grace. Well, he, he giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. This verse shows us, right? It matters if we are living in the supply of God's grace. Look how uh, verse 6 ends. Again, look at verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud. Now, if you're going to be proud and you're going to live your life the way you want, you're going to live in the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, and, and uh, you're going to get out there and you're going to be friends with the world, he'll resist you, right? You ain't going to get nothing from God living like that. But if you'll humble yourself, amen, he giveth grace unto the humble. You see, it's sort of like this. You can either, you can, as a believer, you can either face humiliation. It's sort of this. It's either humiliation, being resisted by God, or it's humility, amen, and getting grace from God. So you choose humiliation, amen, doing what you want to do, and then when you come to God, you'll be humiliated because he'll resist you because you're not being what you ought to be as a child of God. But if you'll humble yourself, he giveth more grace. We finish with this verse, Romans 5, 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but we're sinned about, look at this, grace did, I like this, much more, <laughs> much more. <laughs> oh, man, you don't know what I've done. Hey, man, much more. Amen. He's the God of more grace, but he's the God of much more grace. You can get all the grace that you need, the grace that you need to be saved. And then he says, says in one place, and grow in the grace. Amen. We can go to the grace. We can grow in the grace. Amen. And we can live in the grace. Amen. And have victory. Amen. When it seems like there's a tough battle, man, that you want to have, a tough battle that you want to do, a tough battle that you want to you be. Oh, man, Lord, I, 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 hey, he'll give the grace that you need to have the victory in that area of your life. And he talks more about that later. We'll look at that next time. Let's pray.